0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our June episode of the Simple Farms LLC podcast. I'm Lori Boyer, and Scott Scheimer is joining me. He is the owner of Scheimer Farms in Cheyenne Wells, Colorado, but is also the creator and the founder of the Simple Farms LLC app, which is a margin analysis tool that farmers can use to help track what's going on in the farm, find those efficiencies, save them time, and hopefully uh, increase that return on investment. I do a good elevator speech on that, Scott?
1: (laughs) That was good, Lori. Thank you. Yeah, uh, the program's out there to just basically help guys track their daily operations and figure out exactly what it's costing them to produce that bushel of grain and so they can make a good decision on their marketing end.
0: We always do a little farm update when you and I talk as well, but I'm curious because you said you're still trying to get that corn in the ground, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But have you been putting that into the app? Have you been tracking all of these kind of unusual things that are going on right now?
1: You know, not as far as us being delayed because of the moisture, but we can look back in the program historically and see where we were at planting-wise. So we do look at that, you know, look back. All right, we had success with this field. What was the date we planted? And an interesting one is last year we got delayed with rains, and we picked up some acres very late in the year. And we went ahead and we wanted to put corn on it and look back and we planted that corn on June 9th and all we had left was 115-day corn and we still harvested that on October 31st and it was actually one of our best yielding cornfields out of everything last year. So it gives us hope that we can still do something like that and we're not too late. You know, obviously Mother Nature's got to work with us, but uh, so we're not... Pulling our hair out quite yet, but we are getting a little nervous. We've had so much rain and we've been delayed quite a bit in getting all our crop in.
0: If we went back and listened to a podcast last month and even a month before, it was a completely different story you were telling us.
1: (laughs) It sure was, Lori. I've never seen this much rain. I mean, I'm only on my 32nd year of running this operation. I would say this is definitely the wettest spring we've ever faced. You know, we've always had where we get a few hard rainfalls for three or four days and then we get that window. And we've had a few of those, but we have really had to hunt hard to find a field we could plant here and there. But it looks good today. We're actually moving machines and should get a pretty good run here in the next few days.
0: How many more acres do you have to go to get planted for corn?
1: So corn-wise, we're halfway. So we've got another 2,500 acres to go. And we're still putting millet in, but we do have a longer window with that.
0: And at this point in time, have you had to consider changing corn varieties?
1: No, we kind of prepare. We go with long seasons early and we got all those in and we're working our way to short seasons. So not too nervous. Like I told you, we had 115 day on June 9th and we're down to our 100 day corns right now. So you know it and everybody knows it out there, this equipment we have anymore. And we've modified our planner a lot over the years. It can handle a lot wetter conditions. It's amazing what we can get done in a day. And I got a great crew. These guys run hard and when our windows are there, we really push hard and we're efficient. We've had days with one planter, we've gotten 800 acres done in a day. So
0: wow! When we
1: get going, we get going.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get after it.
1: <laughs> we do.
0: <laughs> this is a question I haven't asked you, but it's come up a couple times here recently doing these these planting interviews, you know, this time of the year and getting these fields ready and such. There are issues when it comes to big rocks and things like that. Had does does your area, does Cheyenne County, East Central Colorado, do you deal with those types of things?
1: Very limited, Lori. I've got a couple fields where we have a lot of shale problems. They're on a kind of a slope, cliff area, right on the southern end of our whole operation. And it's not very prevalent. We've just got a couple fields. So when I hear about everybody else that deals with it, field after field, I don't feel so bad about the couple fields we got to deal with it. So, uh, no, not too big a problem for us.
0: When we talk about farming in general, planting, harvesting, I guess that's something that just doesn't come to mind unless you're dealing with it. And then it's interesting to me on how big these boulders and these rocks can actually be out there and how damaging they are to equipment. So I just thought I'd ask. It's just an interesting thing that just doesn't usually come up.
1: It is. You know, We're jealous of those neighbors uh, to the north of us and those regions where they have such rich soil, but then they have other issues they got to contend with. You know, just every one of us has issues. Nobody has the perfect oasis, I don't think yet. All of us have to contend with something unique.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. With the humidity, has there been any um, pest pressures or have you found any disease or anything as of yet?
1: A lot of talk of leaf rust. I've gone out and scouted varieties we've raised historically. We really had to fight it. I'm finding the varieties we've got going this year. We're, it's not as bad yet, but we are prepared. we got the fungicide actually on the sprayer trailer ready to go. But the varieties I have, they're not showing much rust, but I don't think they have near the yield potential I'm seeing the neighbors look. So I'm, I'm, it's a trade-off there yet again.
0: <laughs> always. Always, isn't it? <laughs> always always. Otherwise, you know, I think we're going to see some leaf
1: rust with the amount of humidity and the moisture. And I think some guys will treat for it. Some won't. I don't know the quite the answer still. That's kind of our approach is we'll treat half of our acres and the other half we won't. In the end, see how we work out economically. You know, the markets hold up and we get a decent yield, no hail. It pays off. But the obviously we're in close to harvest and the, the alternative can happen and you just got more input laying out there. Never know the right answer, so we try to split it up and do 50-50.
0: There has been some hail around in east-central Colorado, maybe a little bit more further west than you and in northeast Colorado, but have you had any hail so far this year?
1: I scouted yesterday and found a little damage in just a real local field, but overall not a great deal, and I've not seen any devastation yet. So,
0: Anything else on, on the crops in the ground right now?
1: No, everything's just needing heat units. You know, we've been so cool. But boy, these plants, you know, it with the amount of moisture we've had here and it starts seeing some sunlight and some heat, everything's going to grow in a big hurry.
0: Yeah, for sure. Heat units are needed everywhere. I've heard that a few times. And then coupled with, it's clearer now, but coupled with the smoke that we got from, I believe it was Canada, it was pretty thick there for a couple of days and then we didn't get the sunshine either.
1: yeah. Yeah, we like our blue sky and sunshine here. It's, it becomes depressing pretty quickly when you don't see that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard on the livestock for sure. And the last time we talked, you were getting out of the livestock industry. So have you sold the herd now?
1: Yeah, we've gotten out of the herd that we ran through the winter, just a bunch of broken mouth breads, and we have got those, out of those. We are now having dialogue with some tenants that are leasing our acres that we will uh, do some custom care. And we're even looking into a little project that my daughter had been wanting to do for a few years is looking at doing those miniature Highlander fuzzy calves. So we're probably going to run a few of those on the place and uh, see what we can do there.
0: Oh, your daughter's taking after you. I can already hear this. I'll have to interview (laughs) her. (laughs) Trying new things and diversifying where she's, she's taken right after you. What is the benefit of Miniature Highlands?
1: Uh, what we see is the market is mainly the front range. Individuals that have property with uh, some acreage and a horse on it, and they want these things for a pet. So that's their market is as a pet. So we're looking into it. We're creating a feasibility. We do have some acreage we could put them on. And uh, I told my daughter we'd give it a shot. What the heck?
0: They're pretty hardy, aren't they? Those are pretty hardy, kind of low maintenance animals, aren't they?
1: I believe so. I believe so. We'll, we'll learn. We'll learn the hard way.
0: It is interesting that you're talking about this right now, Scott, because I just got some information from USDA on them working to get more money out to smaller scale farms or hobby farms where people are producing product even on a smaller operation. Now, that being said, we've talked about upgrades to the app before, including a livestock portion, including adding a livestock component to it. Where are you at on that?
1: No, we're still ways off, Lori. We want to keep getting excellent traction with our farm aspect of the program. And I felt like once we've got enough set customers and we're at a pretty lucrative point, then we will probably move on to adding cattle into it. But it, we're slow growth still. Each year, we're adding about 30 to 40% more customers each year. We're not at quite the customer point where I would like to start adding that kind of feature into it. Maybe give us a couple more years, see where we're at. It's just crazy. Every time we turn around, we add more customers. They have great ideas with the analysis part of the program. So we turn right around and we put what budget we can into it for updates and that. Each year, we've got so many more things on the menu we want to add to the Simple Farms platform to make it more efficient and user-friendly. It's no different this year. Boy, there's a lot of things we got in the plate we're gonna develop. So we're gonna just keep doing that. And hopefully when we get enough numbers, we'll, we'll make the next step to livestock.
0: What year did you start the app again, Scott? How many years has it been around?
1: Yeah, 2019, Lori. And we've always felt like we still got traction. We still had growth, even through the COVID, it was slow. But, you know, it was real difficult to get out there in front of customers, especially at trade shows or putting on meetings. So we felt like those two years of COVID really, we don't count those as years we actually had anything going on. But we were a little slow at the start, really excited about what we've gotten in those last couple of years. And the response has been incredible. And the people we have on board with us are just amazing. Their support and and their input on how we could do more with the program for them.
0: With the exception of those COVID years that you're talking about, is it growing as fast as you had anticipated and/or projected?
1: No, not even close. Um, You know, looking back now, we know why tech adoption is difficult, especially in the world of agriculture. And adoption is also seasonal. So farmers, we got a narrow window. You know, we park our machines here in the fall, and that's when we run off to our trade shows and all these sales companies come knock on your door and promote products. And, uh, you know, here we get the machines back in the field in the early spring and we don't really like to talk to anybody or salespeople. We've kind of made our decision at that point. So we got a real narrow window to get in front of people and promote the program. And we're running on a limited budget. I mean, we're just not going out there with 38 salespeople and logos on the pickups. Uh, It's real down home and and so that's slowed us up. The age group of producers, we're still dealing with the, the older group that has difficulty even getting out of their flip phone. We know it's going to be a long road. Didn't anticipate that when I first launched the program, but uh, pretty excited that we actually did it this way. We know we're prepared for when we do get big growth now. And the program is so much better than when we first launched, just with all the updates and and features that we've added into it since. So. Really looking at us now, I'm really glad we did the path we did and very excited for what we have for us in the future and a response from the public. It's been incredible.
0: We are both in Colorado and know, of course, Colorado and the surrounding states can use it. But can it be used by on a national level in general? Can it be used on the East and West Coasts?
1: It can. We've had uh, producers both in Florida and in California pick us up. They're still looking for programs to fit a lot of their other niches on their operations, cherry producers, potatoes. I mean, we can fit potatoes. My main focus when I first developed the program was our grains, corn, milo, soybeans, millet. We we can handle those other commodities, but those individuals that have reached out to us want to see some other features that meet their operations. So it dials back down to kind of the region you just talked about, Nebraska, Colorado, Oklahoma, Kansas we're working with these individuals in those other areas and taking their input and see what we can do to satisfy their needs as well.
0: So we're working at scale, right? Working at scale and kind of finding that target demographic. Yeah. Which is tough. Well,
1: it's unique. You know it too. You have conversations with producers all over the country and it's so different in other areas. We have a baseline of how we all operate, but then when you get into the details of each operation and commodity type, it's so unique and different. And those are the things that the program addresses, and that's what we've got to do is fix it to fit very specific needs on operations.
0: Another question that I have, and you and I have talked about this, but I don't know if I've asked this directly, with the carbon farming, regenerative farming, things like that, no-till and such, is that something that you can put into the app or at least note?
1: It is, Lori. So we have different aspects in the program, different ways we can look at ourselves, the processes, the applications. And we do plug that into the program and we can even individually look at those practices and analyze them specifically for the carbon and then pull it out and just generally look at the whole operation. So absolutely, we do utilize those aspects and plug them into the program to see where we're at.
0: Scott, with regard to the carbon farming program, are things still going as anticipated?
1: They are. They're still going well. The product's They had some troubles with some of the application products last year. Just some of the talcs would set up. We're having better flowability with the talcs this year. But even when we had a problem, boy, they had product right to us immediately. So it wasn't a big deal, but uh, that's better. All the paperwork. I mean, there's a lot of data entry and paperwork. That's getting simplified. And of course, we're learning. So, you know, both sides are learning more and more. And so working together with Locus and on the Carbon Now program, everything's getting easier on both ends. And, uh, it's a complicated process. So far, so good and, uh, enjoying it and excited about where it's going to take us. Talk about what things will look like in four years from now with the products we're putting in and the process and the possibilities of what the carbon market is. It's, it's exciting. And we know we just got to start day at a time and one year at a time. Looking forward to seeing where this gets us on the other end.
0: Scott, in your opinion, do you see the carbon markets continuing to grow or do you think that they will fizzle out in the future? What's your opinion?
1: No, I think it's something that's going to be yet another subsidy in the industry. There's only so many carbon buyers. There's only so much carbon sequestering that I believe can be done and measured. I think we're going to hit a point where if you're in the game, You're part of it. You hadn't gotten in the game. I don't know that there's going to be the opportunities or it'd be a lot more difficult to. I think it is sustainable. I don't know that it's going to be like anything else. You know, it's always too good to be true. I think there will always be a revenue point out of the carbon market. It's just to what magnitude. I don't know. I don't think it's going to get astronomical like individuals think it will. But I think it's definitely a, a subsidy for our operation.
0: Good point. Very interesting. Your neighbors, friends, circles at the coffee shop or whatever, what kinds of questions do they ask you about it?
1: More than questions, I think the biggest concerns is getting locked into a contract for a time period and committing the acres. I know probably the biggest one as well is the apprehension of having to do all the paperwork, all the uh, data collection, on top of everything we all have to do already. I'm fortunate. I've got a good staff and they help out in a lot of that late work. And I can see how that can be pretty difficult if you're just one individual or just a couple individuals and your focus is production, not necessarily the office work. So those are probably the biggest apprehensions for those getting in as a commitment and just the paperwork, the, the, the data entry.
0: Switching gears on you just a little bit, of course, the shrimp farming. And I know you said that you had... Most of your shrimp already spoken for this year. How is things going with that in general? And some of the lessons that you said you've learned from last year, have they been helpful in preventing some of the issues you had last year?
1: This year, Oh, absolutely. You know, last year, I think we went through three batches of the little babies. Unfortunately, we killed them in different aspects before we got things balanced out and got our first marketable batch done. This time we got the new ones in and everything's just been going like gangbusters. Modified the system a little bit, the filtration structure, the filtering through the tanks. And, uh, no, nah, doing great. The shrimp are getting big. And uh, Jim informed me that we will be ready to start taking them out of their nursery and distributing them to each of their own individual tanks, which is at about day 60 of their age. And uh, so we'll be doing that pretty soon. Everything looks great. So pretty excited and uh, hoping we have a real large batch to sell this time. It's funny all I got to do was sample a few that we had, and we completely sold out this last round. So I'm looking forward to having some of my own shrimp for myself.
0: I love talking about it. so fascinating. Is there different shrimp like breeds, or is it a shrimp?
1: No, there are. So the variety we're growing is a Pacific white, so it's a freshwater shrimp. And they say they're kind of the easier to grow. I could not at this point name off the other varieties, but there's tons of, you know, it's just like species of dogs or breeds of dogs. Sorry. Same thing. There's all kinds out there, but the the Pacific whites are the ones we're working with.
0: What else, Scott, what else would you like to mention here today of things that are going on the farm?
1: Oh, I think the biggest thing is, is we're just trying to keep our head quote unquote above water. We're wet. It's awesome. You know, I just have to always remind myself, you look at the calendar and where you're at how much you have ahead of you is don't stress about it you just take it a day at a time and somehow we get through the process and end up on the other end successful this time of year so busy and so much going on is just a self-reminder that we'll get through it you just take it a day at a time still take care of yourself you know get your rest eat well i think those are important that'll help you get through to the next day
0: and maybe even budgeting in an extra 10 to 15 minutes a few times a week to put the data into that app.
1: That's correct, Lori. It's really simple and quick. I mean, even for me, I just finished spraying an operation last night, late, got home about 9.30 and cooked up a little dinner and just on cell phone submitted the operation for the day within about two minutes, had everything in and applied to the analysis. So we knew exactly what we were doing there.
0: Thank you so much today. And for more information on the Simple Farms LLC app, the margin analysis tools, we like to call it. What is the website once again? Yeah,
1: it's simplefarms.ag.
0: Scott Scheimer. He is the owner of Scheimer Farms in Cheyenne Wells, Colorado, and also the creator and founder of the Simple Farms LLC app. Thanks for joining me today, Scott. I appreciate you.
1: Ah, uh, Lori, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in here today. I'm Lori Boyer.